So the theme I want to explore uh, together with you this morning is the theme of practicing with anger. Understanding and practicing being skillful with the emotion of anger. Thank you. So this theme of practicing anger, that's the theme today, uh, came out of a request from last time, if you remember, that we were exploring a different topic. And we went to the theme of anger, had some discussion on it, and there was a lot of energy for exploring the question of anger in in more depth. And I think it's very much a theme that uh, needs attention, very uh, crucial theme in our practice. And it's a very, very confusing area for many people, maybe I would say most Westerners, and probably many people around the world. It's a very confusing emotion and maybe more confusing for Western Buddhists. So the, uh, the short summary of my talk is this. There are many reasons for anger being quite confusing for us and it being challenging to know how to work with anger when it arises. Part of the resolution of this is by understanding that there are different forms of anger, that there are different types of anger, some of which can be helpful and some of which uh, may not be helpful. And that the tools of our practice Mindfulness, heart practices, cultivating wisdom, developing skillful speech give us some very important um, means by which to work skillfully with anger. And I'll be talking about all of that. But I want to start off by talking about um, confusion about anger. It's one of my favorite topics. (laughs) And I mentioned that... uh, uh, the book that I have out there has some material. I have a whole chapter on anger because the book was about connecting inner and outer transformation. And anger is a huge theme for anyone who's working in social service or social change, social justice. Huge theme, very confusing theme. Okay? So let me mention, uh, first of all, just a number of reasons why anger is both an important topic and why it's confusing. And then I'll move on to talk about how we practice with anger, which will be the heart of it. And maybe I'll find a way to invite us to work with this in the next week and then bring this some into my uh, talk next week because it it could be very related to how we deal with a large uh, collective issue. So first of all, in my own experience as a teacher, uh, anger is a subject of inquiry uh, very, very often. It's one of the themes that's right at the top of the list. I would say the top three lists, top three on the list are uh, how to work with anger, how to deal with the judgmental mind, and relationships. Are they, do these go together? <laughs> Perhaps. But people ask more questions about these uh, areas 
than about enlightenment, death, and sex. Okay. Although those are up there too. Okay. And so a uh, very crucial uh, topic and very challenging, as I mentioned, in terms of issues of uh, justice or wanting to change things. It can be a very, uh, very important area. Um, and of course, also very crucial for us in terms of this large central question for our practice is how can we be skillful with strong emotions, with difficult or challenging emotions, right, right at the core of our, of our practice. So um, a lot of confusion. Uh, part of it is from what we apparently get from the Buddhist tradition. You read the text and you seem to get the very clear message that anger is bad. A few, a few passages. This is the Buddha from the Dhammapada. And I think it's crucial to remember that this is a translation. Okay, and I'll come back to that issue because translation actually is a significant issue here. But this is what the translator says. Give up anger. Conquer anger with non-anger. If one is not angry, then one enters into the presence of the gods. Guard against anger erupting in your body. Guard against anger erupting in your speech. Guard against anger erupting in your mind. It's from the Buddha. From the 8th century, from the Mahayana tradition, um, Shantideva, uh, text, Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life. Again, remember this is a translation. Whatever wholesome deeds, such as venerating the Buddhas and generosity, that have been amassed over a thousand eons will all be destroyed in one moment of anger. Mm. Okay. And this is a contemporary Thai teacher named uh, Chuan Fangcham. Anger can be compared to a snake, a poisonous cobra. We should not welcome it into our house. Without contemplation, we cannot know the real danger of anger. So we need to meditate on the anger to know its danger. When anger becomes the master, the body is burning because the mind is burning. That is why the world is crying today. It is burning from anger. So we need to get rid of this anger, let go of the anger. Meditation and contemplation can help us to do this. So it seems to be a very clear message. So the voice of some uh, contemporary Buddhist teachers give a different view. Again, Western, Western Buddhist teachers. Jack Kornfield, who sometimes teaches here. <laughs> we can find gold in the anger we have, for within anger is the valuing of justice and integrity. When we work with anger, it can be changed into a valuable medicine. Transformed, our anger and judgment give us clarity to see what is skillful what needs to be done, what limits need to be set. They are the seeds of discriminating wisdom and a knowing of order and harmony. Very different message, right? Anger can be positive or constructive. This is from Bell Hooks. Some of you know her work. This is from a book called Killing Rage, Ending Racism. Confronting my rage, witnessing the way it moved me to grow and change, I understood intimately that I had the potential not only to destroy, but also to construct. 
Many African Americans feel uncontrollable rage when we encounter white supremacist aggression. That rage is not pathological. It is an appropriate response to injustice. However, if not processed constructively, it can lead to pathological behavior. Right. And then one more comment. This is from the Tibetan tradition, where I should say that the message is a little bit different. Some of you know in Tibetan tradition there are wrathful deities who actually play a constructive role in coming to awakening. So it's complex, but you can see why, why we getting all these messages might be confused, right? You can hear all these different messages. This is a Judith Simmer Brown from the Tibetan uh, Buddhist tradition. The energy of our anger can be transformed into positive and skillful action for others. Anger transforms into compassion. The energy of anger itself is completely pure. So if we give up the dualistic quality, that energy becomes compassion, which can then benefit others. So the messages we get seem to be contradictory. Again, we read the text and so forth. And I'll, and I'll uh, mention, maybe, maybe right now is a good time, that, that there actually are major translation issues. Uh, partly, um, the words that are translated as anger when you look closely to their connotations in the original Asian languages, there are words like dosa, especially, uh, which is one of the uh, three poisons, some of you know, it's sometimes called that. Uh, words that are sometimes translated as anger, uh, like dosa, are exclusively negative and probably closer to hatred. The Dalai Lama engaged in a dialogue about this with uh, particularly Western psychologists and concluded because of the differences in, in connotations between the words in the different languages, he concluded that nothing suggesting uh, the, the kalesa, which is the term for greed, hatred, and delusion, nothing that has this exclusively negative connotation should ever be translated as anger. Because anger in Western connotations has both positive and negative connotations. So you see there's, even in the translation, there are issues um, of difference between the actual meaning of the words. So I, I would say that those translations that I read from the Buddha and from Shantideva may be problematic translations. This is not yet meant to clarify everything. <laughs> this is just to say, here are some of the roots of the confusion. Add to this the fact that anger in Western culture is very, very confusing. When you look to the words that we would translate as anger from the different languages, going back to the ancient Jews, the ancient Christians, we find a lot of confusion. One author on a book on anger named Carol Tavris said that anger may be the most misunderstood emotion in the history of Western civilization. And, and a few examples can bring this out. Um, you have basically in both uh, Jewish and Christian traditions, I imagine it would be similar in, in Islam, but I, I, I don't know, you have uh, a lot of passages which suggest that anger is quite bad. 
this is from uh, this is from the Jewish tradition. A few passages. God loves one who never gets angry. Do not get angry, and you will not sin. But then, what happens if you read the Hebrew Bible closely? Of course, who gets angry? God gets angry. <laughs> what does this mean? No, not only God, but the Jewish prophets get angry, right? Really angry at injustice. And it seems to be something positive. This is from uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel, who wrote a, a very powerful book on the Jewish prophets. He said, anger too is a form of God's presence in history. Anger too is an expression of God's concern and actually interprets it as a manifestation of compassion. And you can see the same thing in the Christian tradition. You can see plenty of passages where anger is seen as bad. It's one of the seven deadly sins. I don't know if people use that model these days, but historically it's been used widely. One of the seven deadly sins, but then also you find what? Jesus gets angry, right? With the money changers, main example, right? Tosses them out, seems to get angry, and you have uh, a lot of expressions historically of, uh, of anger being something that is suitable and appropriate when there's injustice. You can find this in a lot of the theological writings. You find this, for example, in Thomas Aquinas. Anger at injustice is appropriate. So we start to get a sense that some forms of anger are okay and some not, but how do we know? You know, and they don't spell it out necessarily. So again, can be a, a source of a lot of confusion. And in the kind of the Western social justice tradition, you can find uh, often anger is seen as quite positive. Anger at injustice is seen as appropriate. And uh, <clears throat> this is from the French writer Georges Sand. Humanity is outraged in me and with me. We must not dissimulate nor try to forget this indignation. This is about injustice, which is one of the most passionate forms of love. So saying anger is deeply connected with love. And you can find this in the writings of people like Gandhi or Dorothy Day or Martin Luther King. They all say that we have to take the energy of anger at injustice and channel it and make it workable. They all say it can be tremendously harmful but it can be channeled. So you can see why there there's, can be some confusion. We get different messages between uh, traditional Buddhists, contemporary Buddhists. There are different messages in Western culture. You know, some anger is sometimes bad, anger is sometimes good. And then we have the different cultural issues where um, by and large, uh, anger is not an acceptable emotion in a number of cultures particularly Northwestern European culture, which is the dominant, has become the dominant culture here. You know, and anger is much more readily expressed in terms of Europe, in Eastern Europe, and in Southern Europe. I knew this living in Little Italy. <laughs> you know, you know the, during the summer, the windows were open, and one knew the exact state of most marriages <laughs> by walking down the street. <laughs> could hear how things were going, you know. And yet, uh, dominant culture, anger is kept inside, as it is in a lot of cultures, right? A lot of Asian cultures as well, you know. And, and very interesting, you know, when I've 
You can find this if you look closely at uh, some of the Asian cultures as well. And the public expression of anger often not appropriate. You know? And so and it gets complex. I won't go so much into that. Um, but it can be, do you get a sense of the basis for all this confusion? And what happens when someone actually comes to Buddhist practice? It can be very confused. <clears throat> and then we have the additional, we have the additional confusion of the fact that for a lot of us, we may um, have been raised to suppress anger. Different conditioning in different families. For many of us, we were taught not to be angry. I think this was my upbringing. Anger is not good. Don't be angry. And then we come to Buddhist practice, and what kind of message do we get? We might get the message. I, I've actually, since I've been sent to this issue, I've tracked Dharma talks, and I've tracked what people say. And 90% of the messages I hear is that anger is bad. It's reactive. Be careful, right? Without much more clarification. And we can get that message. And what happens if you have a history of suppressing anger and you become a Buddhist meditator? You might have a traditional justification for your own uh, conditioning and a reason to not investigate it. And this has actually been a significant problem, I would say, at Buddhist centers where there's often been not so much skill in dealing with conflict because the public expression of anger, isn't that a sign of spiritual immaturity? And do you see how, that, how many people could have that understanding or at least be, should I express my anger? Doesn't this show I'm not really practicing rightly? Do you get that? It's, it's, it's powerful. Okay, so with all that confusion, what do we, how do we approach anger? Well, we do what we, uh, what is really one of the glories of the tradition is, we investigate. We, we practice, but I, I want to um, suggest that the, um, uh, core, yeah, the core way really to find this out is to investigate our anger, to be with it, to look into it, to work with it skillfully. And what I want to do is give a few guidelines or perspectives for working skillfully with anger and then invite you, to, if you feel called, to really track any anger, even minor irritation, in the next week and work with it. So here are a few perspectives and guidelines. But the first part of the talk is, for me is important because it, it can, do you get a sense of all these conflicting, Con even contradictory threads that go into our conditioning about anger, into our understanding, especially if we become Buddhist practitioners. Very, you know, very challenging. I mean, hard enough even if we weren't Buddhist practitioners um, with all the Western cultural, or for that matter, from other cultures as well. So a few perspectives. Um, I'm going to, this is really uh, the perspectives that I'm going to offer come from my own investigation, and they're really hypotheses to be uh, checked out, uh, the initial ones. The main tool is going to be our own investigation. You know, as in the traditional teaching from the Kalama Sutta, which says, don't trust the words of the teacher, check it out yourself. 
core teaching about the centrality of investigation, finding things out for yourself, not taking things because they're in the books, because someone said it, but really seeing for yourself what is true. So um, a few guidelines that I have found helpful in relationship to anger from my own investigations, again, to be explored yourself. Uh, the first is that anger can be extremely destructive and negative, but that there are a number of situations in which anger is not simply negative, not simply compulsive aversion. <coughs> in other words, anger can potentially carry wisdom, love, and ethical energy. Again, that's the main thread of the Western traditions, that anger at times can uh, come from love and the wish for uh, integrity, justice, rightness, whatever. Um, anger can be explored very skillfully with our mindfulness. We can work skillfully with anger when it's occurring in the moment. And particularly important are to work with how to work with speech and how to work internally when there's anger occurring. A key, also a key starting point, is to separate the um, awareness and investigation of anger from action. A very key uh, guideline is when, when anger is reactive, it's very helpful uh, to suspend action. What we're going to be doing is actually finding that there are different types of anger. There is the, the more reactive, compulsive, automatic anger is the kind that typically is destructive or negative. And a very key uh, uh, distinction is between the harmfulness of anger when we act unconsciously or automatically versus the presence of anger in our minds or hearts, which isn't necessarily negative. Again, sometimes we get the message, oh, you're angry, must be, a, must be some kind of spiritual blindness. You know, I do, again, I do not find that to be the case. So um, th again, the key is going to be mindful, mindful inquiry into anger. And I'll tell a story from my own experience. Um, this is, um, I started, I think I've been interested in anger for a long time, but I had uh, this retreat about uh, quite a while ago, about 25 years ago, which was really instrumental. And I, ha I was uh, newly arrived in California. I had been living in um, uh, Kentucky and Ohio for seven years, teaching there. And I had been kind of working out my own understanding of Buddhist practice in the hinterlands, <laughs> away from the coast. <laughs> you know? And a lot of it was a focus on daily life. I had been doing retreats for some time at that point, but I went to a retreat uh, in San Rafael. I think it was at the uh, Dominican College, where there still are sometimes retreats. Um, but we used to do a lot of retreats there. And I did a retreat, and it was no different than many I had done in the past. Uh, but perhaps it was the timing, but I started to get very angry 
the content of my anger was that in the retreats, we were treating the retreatants, or the teachers were treating the retreatants, as if they were monks or nuns. But we had different kinds of lives, like in the world. And um, shouldn't the training be different? You know, that was the content of my anger. And I got really angry. It was interesting, because I had you know, been in these retreats for a long time, and this had not occurred before. So it was partly related just to my years trying really focused on daily life practice, I think. Anyway, uh, I was really angry, got really angry, and Jacques Kornfeld was one of the teachers, and I went to talk with him. And he said, you know, I have some sympathy with uh, the content of your anger. You know, I have some, I can relate to it in some ways, but I think we're going to do this retreat like we've planned. <laughs> and you have a choice. You can either stay with the retreat, or you can go home. And if you stay with the retreat, my suggestion is that you really uh, work mindfully with your anger. And I chose the second option. I chose to stay with the anger. And for whatever reason, the anger did not dissipate. I was angry about 18 hours a day for 10 days in a row. <laughs> I don't remember that having happened previously in my life. And uh, it was in a range where it was all workable. You know, sometimes it got pretty strong, but I was mostly able really to track it, be mindful, you know, do, do other practices. And he, Jack gave me um, a suggestion, which was using a technique that um, you know, one of the techniques uh, that we had learned from one of the Burmese teachers, Upandita, which was a technique, simple technique, of taking a, f taking a note or two after every sitting or walking. So I would, he had me take notes as to what my experience was uh, after every sitting or walking, you know, just a sentence or two. And then after three or four days, I looked at my notes and I reported to him and it was very interesting, because I had never investigated anger much at all. I mean, maybe I had been with it for 20 minutes or something. But to look at it um, hour after hour after hour, day after day after day, take notes, I saw things about anger I had never seen before. The first thing I saw was that there were multiple kinds of anger. Sometimes my anger was petty and reactive, kind of coming from a small self. And just, I'm not getting my way. I'm angry. I want my way. Right? And that was there sometimes. It was kind of a petty, reactive anger, more self-centered and so forth. Um, I explored uh, how anger uh, was in the body. You know, and or let, me, let, me, let me go back to the point about the types of anger. Sometimes, because one of the guided, uh, guiding, uh, one of the guide, guidance, one of the ways he guided me, sorry, that took a while to come out. <laughs> one of the ways he guided me was to say, watch the anger, but also watch when it changes into something else. And so sometimes I could see there was just that petty anger. There was just that anger, and that would sort of come and go and dissipate. Sometimes 
uh, I would see that I was angry and when I would stay with it, it would open up to sadness. And sometimes the content of my sadness would be, oh, I feel alone here. I kind of, I think I have a good point, but uh, I just feel alone. And it kind of triggered some of those deeper psychological feelings, we might say, or deeper feelings of being disconnected or alone and not connected with a lot of stuff from my past. We all have some version of this that can get triggered at different times. So that got, that got triggered in a certain way. And so I, there was a sometimes I would find the sense of sadness that was familiar and related to other types of experiences. Uh, sometimes I would stay with it and I would feel the anger, but I would feel quite connected. Uh, it would go to some sadness. Oh, I think I have a real, something really important to say and people aren't listening. And sometimes I would stay with the sadness and would open up to love. Like I really care about this community and this is a really important point and I really, it's really important to me. So in that instance, I could see experientially that the anger actually in this, that instance was connected with love. It was generated by care and by love, something quite uh, beautiful in a way. Right? It wasn't totally diluted and negative. It was something, I think I have something important to say here. Right? And that was, that was there. Sometimes the anger would feel like that of a, um, of a Hebrew prophet. And I'd be there and there would be this deep sense of righteousness would come over me. You know, my spine would straighten and I would say, you can do what you wish, but cosmic justice will win out in the end. Watch out. <laughs> that was interesting to track, you know, to see like uh, Old Testament prophetic wrath appearing in my consciousness, right? And that was there sometimes. You know, it was also important to see the way the anger manifested. It would sometimes be in the body with fire. Sometimes there was nausea. You know, just to stay with it, just to explore the way the anger was, to see that where the thoughts went. And doing this over this period of time was incredibly illuminating. And in a sense, anger's never been the same since then. I got to see things that I, I had never seen before. So when we work with anger, we can work in some of these ways. We can say, what's it like in the body? Really explore, see what it's like. What are the narratives that are coming? Stay with it. When anger shifts, where does it shift to? Because anger, most psychologists would say uh, that anger is a cover emotion, that it's actually generated by other emotions beneath it. What are those emotions? In my case, I could see that some of it was love and came from actually a very deep and beautiful place. And this was actually behind the anger. I think this is the case at times with the wish for justice. You know? But I could, I could touch some, some sadness and then beneath the sadness was the love. You know? um, and often the key to working skillfully with anger, and this, this actually comes up with social justice, or I think with also with interpersonal issues as well, is actually moving from the anger and feeling that there's some pain connected with it. You know, that there's some way, something important for oneself is not happening. This is, this is for the kind of anger that may carry wisdom or ethical energy. There is totally a kind of anger that is petty, reactive, and destructive when it manifests. So I'm, I'm pointing to a distinction between types of anger, 
but how are we going to know? And sometimes it's a matter of really staying with it and going more deeply because we can actually have anger that is actually ultimately based in love, but we're not in connection with the love or compassion and our anger can be quite destructive there as well. Right? So this is where the practice comes in of really touching, touching more deeply. So, um, yeah, so uh, there's, there's a line uh, that I, that I uh, heard from Joanna Macy. She says, where anger goes sour is when it denies its source in pain. When anger gets locked into self-righteousness, where we're not in touch with the pain, because we haven't gone deeply enough, and we're just locked into self-righteousness in some way. That's where anger becomes a problem. And we know that, where it becomes destructive. So we can actually be, as it were, on the side of justice, but the anger can be reactive. This is what is so confusing for many activists, right? Clearly, we're on the right side. Therefore, whatever I say is okay. But actually, that's not skillful because one can get lost in the anger. It becomes reactive and polarizing. What I'm going to suggest is that the deeper, that the skillful use of anger connects it with the heart, as with some of those earlier quotations, that the heart um, can be linked with the anger, so we actually feel the pain, we feel the sadness or the distress, but we also ultimately act more out of compassion and out of love. So see, this is a process. This is really suggesting that even though we may have an ethical point on our side or justice on our side, if we don't go through that process, the anger can be destructive. I think of a cartoon, I think from the New Yorker, which shows an epitaph on someone's grave. And it says, he had the right of way. (laughs) Another way of making that point. Joanna Macy, she says, uh, where anger goes sour, is when it denies its source in the pain. In other words, when we get locked into thoughts, ideology, self-righteousness, without connecting to the heart, that's when anger is going to be a problem. Even if, again, we have ethics, justice on our side. That's tricky, isn't it? That calls for a certain amount of inner work that says that activists who don't do that inner work may be actually not so skillful are not so skillful. It's a lot. It's a lot to ask, right? Um, But that's true. I I once did a workshop with people who call themselves spiritual activists, and I asked, what are the major issues in your groups or organizations? And the, the top one listed, anger and conflict towards each other in our organizations. And they, because they didn't have, they didn't have skillful ways of working with anger, and it was assumed that the anger was all righteous and therefore they could do what they wish with it. One of my uh, former students is a man named Robert Masters who uh, has written a number of books. He wrote a wonderful book on anger and I was a teacher of his when he wrote a PhD dissertation on anger. 
450 pages. And in a sense, I helped him write parts of it. We had sections on Buddhism and anger, but it was wonderful, uh, wonderful piece of work. And he, he put a book, he made it into a book, which is quite wonderful. I'm tempted to say masterful, but that would be <laughs> not so helpful. And he also wrote a nice article, which you can find on the web, uh, called uh, Compassionate Wrath. I really strongly recommend it. It's, uh, it won the, uh, the year it was published. It was published in the Journal of Transpersonal Psychology and won the prize for the best essay of the year. Um, and wonderful essay. You can find it. Uh, there's a PDF file that's on the web. And he, uh, I really enjoyed working with him. He was an unusual student because he was, when I met him, he had been, he was a retired guru. <laughs> I won't get into that so much. Um, so, but he, he developed a, a wonderful typology of two skillful ways to work with anger. Uh, you could probably, I'm going to talk about some others, but he talked about mindfully held anger. And he also talked about hard anger, anger which actually is in connection with our open hearts and where we can actually express anger but be coming from a different place. And he interpreted Jesus with the money changers as being an example of hard anger. You can also find it in a number of spiritual traditions. Example, you can find it, some of you may know the story in the Tibetan tradition of Marpa and Milarepa. Milarepa was the great yogi who built uh, multiple towers and Marpa had him uh, tear them down continually. It was a way of uh, doing character training because Milarepa happened to be a serial murderer and needed some character work. Okay, that's a short version. <laughs> you, can, you can investigate the maybe, the, maybe another time, the full story. But, but there are plenty of examples. So Robert talks about heart anger, which is quite, uh, quite beautiful, the sense of anger where the heart is connected as, as a possibility interpersonally as well as uh, uh, socially, as well as in relation to oneself. So a few other pointers for practicing with anger. I think mindfulness is probably going to be the key to also to um, use the wisdom factor, very crucial with anger. Uh, obviously, in an interpersonal conflict, we can ask, what's my role in this interaction? We can ask questions about that. Uh, are there, what is beneath my anger, and we can use mindfulness, but we can also sometimes ask questions. Is there something beneath my anger? Is there some kind of need not being met? Is there some need of the other that's not being met? That helps us move to empathy for self or for other, which is very key to working skillfully with anger. In other words, the place where we get lost with anger is where it's self-righteous, automatic, unconscious, reactive, separating ourselves from our hearts, separating our hearts from others, polarizing. Anytime the anger takes those forms, it's actually helpful to suspend action to pull back from it. That is the kind of anger that's destructive. Again, reactive, automatic, comes with the narrative of self-righteousness, uh, uh, 
tends not to be empathic, doesn't touch the heart in relation to self or other. So, okay, so that's, that's what we want to look out for when we're, look, when we're studying anger. And we want to find ways to work with that kind of anger when it comes up. One of the main ways to work with it is to, develop, is to work with the heart practices that are so important for us, to work with loving kindness, with compassion, with forgiveness. I've mentioned at times that uh, interpersonally, compassion and forgiveness can be more skillful heart practices with interpersonal difficulties than metta or loving kindness. Because compassion and forgiveness practices, which, we, which we've learned at times here, and which we'll, we'll be working with next week, tend to go and touch, and we touch the pain of the situation which opens our heart and softens the heart and can lead to, oh, this is hard, this is painful, which tends to knock us out of our self-righteous position. And so the heart practice is very crucial, partly also when we're stuck. If I'm stuck with anger, I could use metta, I could use compassion to get unstuck. One of the core uses of these heart practices, but we have to practice them every day or they're not strong enough. Anger will win. Okay, so, uh, so the heart practices. And then I think, uh, to, from an ethical point of view, can be very helpful to keep with the ethical guidelines the guideline of not harming others and, being, and you not particularly not using speech, which is harmful for others. To work, again, that's part that goes back to that point about when we find ourselves react with the reactive kind of anger, the self-righteous, position-driven anger, very good time to suspend saying anything or doing anything, take a time out, do some heart practices. And, and the, the ethical guidelines can remind us of this because there are guidelines for not harming ourselves or others. And if we regularly commit to the precepts, that will be partly a wake-up call when there's anger. So I had some further thoughts about uh, the value of working with and transforming anger in terms of our being in the larger society and justice. But I think I'll just be very brief, brief there. I've mentioned that... Uh, I've mentioned that. I thought I'd read uh, a few comments uh, from Gandhi. Anger controlled. I, th- I, would, I would interpret that as meaning worked with skillfully. Anger controlled can be transmuted into a power which can move the world. Martin Luther King, Jr., the supreme task is to organize and unite people so that their anger becomes a transforming force. And I think if you listen to King's speeches, you can see there, there's a transformed anger there. There's the energy of anger. Do you hear, hear that in his speech? And yet it's connected with love. Isn't that remarkable? Do you know what I'm talking about? And that ener- There's an energy there in which the anger has not been suppressed. It's been transformed, right? It's been worked with. So very, very remarkable. So let me, let me just close so we have some time for talking together. This is something from, uh, from the end of that essay by Robert Masters. Um, 
called compassionate wrath. (coughs) Bringing one's anger into one's heart is not only an act of love for oneself, but for all beings, since such a practice greatly increases the odds that anger will not be allowed to mutate into aggressiveness, hostility, and hatred, but rather into compassion-centered activity in no longer abandoning or destructively harnessing our anger, we move a little closer to being the very love that we most desire from others. Anger can be love. May we permit it to be so. Uh, Thank you. There's a lot there. Why don't we sit for a moment and then I'll invite uh, some discussion. We can use the, we have the mic. Okay, very good. Maybe just reflect on what was, what landed, what was most important, as well as any questions. So please, let me invite any questions. We have one here. And one here. Um, I have trouble with this self-righteous anger and yeah. uh, uh, transforming it. When I came the first time last week, and then uh, the problem with self-righteous, if you know you're right and someone else is wrong, I mean, you, I mean, it's a knowledge quite, quite. I mean, I'm, technically, I know certain things. I'm, a, I'm an architect and. Someone's doing something completely stupid. Got me very angry. Yeah. And my transfer of heart anger was I ended up in the hospital with a potential heart problem, which which came out positive, but that seems to where it goes when I don't resolve those correctly. Right. So we want we want the uh, question is about uh, what to do in a situation where we think maybe we're right. <laughs> or the statement was, we are right, no question. I think it's helpful to use the qualifying phrase, we think we're right. I will, I will urge that, but we can come back to that. Okay. Okay, um, uh, okay I, won't, I won't go with that point but uh, too much. But uh, So the question of what to do because in some ways, uh, some ways of not dealing with the anger led to certain... Uh, heart issues. Yeah, actually, this morning, maybe some of you heard it. I was driving here, and I was listening to uh, KPFA, and they had a program by a man uh, with a man na- named uh, Mario Martinez, who's a neuropsychologist, and he was citing research that said that uh, actually uh, the expression of righteous anger lowers blood pressure but the expression of self-righteous anger is harmful. It's interesting. So again, he made that same distinction between two types of anger. And so the key, and this is not easy, I think the key, you know, you know let's, say, you know, let's say you're an overseer of an architectural project. And you're, let's say you're even in charge, and you're very clear that someone did something wrong, right? And, and you become, let's say you become angry. So the question is, how, how could one work skillfully uh, with that anger? So we avoid really two extremes. Uh, 
one, this is really key. The action component is going to be to avoid two extremes. The extremes are first, just the automatic, non-mindful uh, reaction, angry reaction. We want to avoid that, but we also want to avoid suppression. We want to avoid the suppression of the anger or the being overly nice, <coughs> which actually suppresses the energy of anger. Right. So how do we find that middle way? That's what I'm suggesting. I sense that's what you're looking for, right? Yeah. And so it's, I think, I would say, uh, you know, as with a lot of the work here, the guideline would be to do to do both inner work and work on the outer skillful expression and see both as necessary in this instance. In other words, a certain amount of inner work, it might be, and it might be that you actually say, I'm really angry, I'm reactive right now, it's not a good time, right? But I want to come back later. So I tell, you know, you maybe communicate to that to someone. Thich Nhat Hanh, in his uh, community, has what's called a peace treaty, and he says any conflict has to be worked with within a week. But also be very careful about the timing. It's part of, part of the meaning of skillful speech is good timing. Right? And so in the moment when you're reactive, might not be a good time. And it can be very skillful then not to speak, but to agree to come back later, or it's going to go inward. And so and in, that, in the interim, you could do some inner work. You can sit with it. You can actually sometimes deliberately bring up the anger, work with it, see what's there, maybe do something like that process that I described, see what it's like in the body, watch the thoughts, just be with it. Watch where it goes, watch what's beneath it. You have to, sometimes you have to give it some time to know, oh, you know, and how does it maybe connect in with just my own patterns, right? How does it connect in with, like in my example, with something that might be a pattern, oh, I feel alone, or something like that. You know, each of us has patterns. Strong emotions will tend to trigger a lot of old patterns, right? So we want to be able to track those, right? Know those, feel what's beneath it, maybe get to that sense of, oh, you know, probably, probably again, anger is typically a cover emotion. So, meaning that when you, there's, if you look deeply enough, you'll always find something beneath it that's a different emotion. That takes time. That takes some inquiry. You can take that for granted that that's the case, you know, and 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 look, and then so that's the inner work. And we could say a lot more. Maybe you do metta. Maybe you do some forgiveness, and then you come to speak. And maybe you're in a more centered or balanced place, and you can bring in, you can bring in the expression. You know, when that happened, I was really angry, you know. But you can do so with empathy towards yourself and towards the other, in a connective way. And again, this is lots going to depend on the nature of the relationship, but a relationship where you can have actually honesty about what's happening in a skillful way deepens the relationship. It makes it more likely to be skillful in the future. So there's a lot more I could say about skillful speech, but that's a very short version. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Please. Yeah. Donald, I, I didn't know um, whether or not you've ever read uh, the psychologist, uh, I want to say Johnson, uh, Sue Johnson's book uh, that came out about two years ago called Love Sense that is no. extraordinarily uh, 
uh, helpfully written mm -hmm. about relationships. And uh, her major point that's so helpful to me, I'm uh, a family therapist, is that um, she looks at uh, the troubles in relationships in three tiers, mm -hmm. and the top tier being uh, irritation, frustration, and the bottom tier being fear of, uh, fear of abandonment, essentially, and the middle mm -hmm. uh, 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 tier that's um, avoided is pain, mm -hmm. is uh, uh, the heart pain of uh, a disconnection and, and uh, uh, loneliness, and how that, that there's a way in which for many family, re in family relationships, yeah. people stay stuck in the anger, as you say, as a cover for the, uh, the deep, deep uh, fear of being disconnected. And especially the middle tier, the yeah. the uh, uh, section around uh, pain. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I just want, I wanted to recommend it because it's Thank very you. good. Thank you, Sue Johnson. Sue Johnson, Love yeah. Sense. Love Sense, and it connects with much of what. Yes. Much of what I was saying, and that, that's why I think the the inner investigation of the anger is so important. It really is helpful to know what's beneath the anger to know, oh, there's some pain. And conceptually, it's not so hard to understand, right? That, you know, I'm angry here, but what I'm really angry about is I, feel, I don't feel as connected. Or not, not really what I'm angry about, but the, the kind of the emotion might be the sadness of being disconnected or I don't think I'm heard or seen or whatever it is. And the anger is their anger in some ways can be, you know, can be quite defensive kind of protecting ourselves. Yeah. Um, please, we have one here and then one up front. Yeah. Thank you very much for this particular talk. Um, I've, this is a comment, mostly. I, since a small child, I explored this whole issue of anger in myself and my family, and then as I grew older in the society at large. Mm -hmm. And what I concluded was that anger is merely an expression of deep pain and fear. Those are the two things that I have come mm -hmm. to conclude, especially in my own family. And I always considered myself as not a very angry person, ha, mm -hmm. ha, ha. <laughs> and there are times, however, when I do get, when I explode in anger, Mm -hmm. But once I explode, it's all over with. Mm -hmm. Then I move on. And that was, a, that was something I learned from my mother. On the other hand, my brother carries his anger with him. And he, he lives with his anger on his shoulders. And he denies that he's angry. He sees himself as a soldier. He's going to charge on. But so this denial of his anger, and mm -hmm. I know where it comes from as a small child, when he was abandoned, um, he addresses that, but he doesn't see how that mm -hmm. expresses itself in his anger today. So when, and I see other people who have anger but don't, don't, but deny it. Right. 
and I, and it's clear to me that that's comes from some deep-seated pain or fear. Mm-hmm. And, but yet, how do how does one how do you work with somebody like that to help them, or is it your role to help them how to, understand how to, how to work with another? And yeah. I, sh- I should say to back up. Um, you were talking about the anger exploding, and then you feel okay. Uh, a, a question could be, are the people around you okay? <laughs> uh, so we would want, because again, may, maybe maybe you were using explode in a, a, yeah, a metaphorical sense that didn't sound as bad as it was. <laughs> But yeah, again, because I think the suggestion here is, is we could call it a middle way between the automatic reactions. Explosion can sound like that. I don't know if that's what you were meaning. But uh, uh, between the automatic reaction and the suppression, right? We want to find the middle ground where we're coming out of the heart, where we're, we're actually skillful and so forth. And that's not an easy middle, middle ground. And that's really what we look for. Yeah, with someone else, we're, you know, with someone else who's either on the, you know, we could call the first the acting outside or the suppression side. How do you work with uh, that person? Um, that's a big question. I would, I would say, uh, if you can especially do your own work with anger, that will go a long way. Then you can be empathic. You can be empathic. You can touch the pain. It depends, of course, entirely on your relationship, you know, with the person. And the person may or may not be open to changing, uh, you know, some people may be, some some not. But uh, um, yeah, it's, it's um, usually there. There has to be some willingness to explore options on either side. Because and there are also very old patterns. You know, the the what, what I'm calling the acting out or the suppressing have been repeated. You know, like a hundred thousand times. There's a certain amount of momentum with the neurons. <laughs> and, and so, uh, again, it's going to depend on the relationship. If, if there was someone... So I, I would think, you know, there'd be all sorts of ways to approach it. I think your own modeling of skillful work with anger could be a very big factor. So, so people learn not by you telling them what to do, but by watching and be, maybe being curious. Might be a very, very good approach. Let me just take... There was, uh, one more, uh, Bonnie, and then we'll we'll finish up. Um, when when angry and kind of with a pause, able to see the the sort of the self righteous anger yeah. part, and kind of sh- shred that, thankfully, and still realize, okay, so then I won't respond like this. But oh yeah, there's something there that, mm, for other people's sake, I should take further. But it just seems like such a bother then because I've gotten over my own stuff with it. Um, do you know what I mean? I mean, I could give the example. And I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So like, wh- what do you do to still kind of care enough to want to spend the time and the bother when personally it's like, okay, I could be over that. Right. Well, I think I think it's probably again it's going to be very context dependent. The question is about when to uh, follow up on having been angry, and maybe there's a uh, we might say a legitimate point uh, that 
you know, that's connected with the anger and when to stand up for that point or that, uh, you know, that issue or that concern and when not to. Uh, I think, you know, I can't really give a, a general or abstract answer, but it's going to depend on the context. And I think it's going to be really uh, probably your own inquiry and asking what, what is, what sits with my integrity. You know, and again, it's a matter of being skillful, you know, with, um, you know, with, you know, situation. I remember, you know, just to give a few, a few thoughts that come to mind. I remember being with, uh, being with an organization where I had a very good radar for all the problems with the, or- of the organization. And I'd get a certain amount frustrated, angry sometimes. And if I was always expressing, expressing what I was angry about, I, uh, I came to the conclusion at a certain point, I will not be effective. I have to chew, you know, and I will also tend to burn myself out. And so for me, it was actually very helpful to realize, let me, quote unquote, pick my battles. This is actually, for me, in that situation, very, very skillful. So I didn't have to deal with everything. But I actually tried to be skillful in the moment and ask the questions of what's most important, what do I want to act with, what helps my own balance over the time so I'm not just the complaining individual or the one who always raises issues and the organization actually is not capable of receiving my, uh, my input, really. Uh, it's not, it's not going to work, right? So you know, that comes to mind. Those, might, those issues might be parallel in interpersonal situations. Does that make some sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, so, okay, we've had one time with anger, done. <laughs> uh, I actually took most of my thoughts on anger and I could have easily done a few sessions, but like I say, maybe I'll bring some of this into next time. But my invitation would be to, if this calls you, to take as an intention to work with anger in the next week, meaning maybe in the morning, set an intention. Uh, If you're having trouble locating anger, a legitimate practice is to actually bring a situation to mind that was in the past and bring it to mind, and you can sometimes work with it internally and actually deliberately go into that territory. if we wait around sometimes for anger, it might not be there, but we can, we can access and learn from bringing it to mind and just seeing what it feels like, exploring it, and so forth. But uh, let, me, let me invite you, if you, again, feel called to work with anger. Um, yeah, you can look for that uh, Robert Masters essay, quite wonderful, Compassionate Wrath. It's on the web. Uh, I have a chapter um, in that book on anger. And uh, there are a lot of other good sources, some very good work. There's, a, I think, one of the books I like the best. I don't have a reading list here, but Harvey Aronson, who's a psychologist, has a very, very good book called like, something like, uh, I forget what it's called, Western Practice or Buddhist Practice on Western Ground. I don't know if that's the title or the subtitle. Aronson, A-R-O-N-S-O-N. And uh, I think a very, very skillful book, uh, one of the best I know on anger. And there, there are other books by quite a few people. So let me invite you to set your intention for the next week, the next period of time, anything helpful from today, maybe related to anger, maybe something totally different. Just see what comes as an intention coming out of this morning.
And may we offer the benefits of our morning together to ourselves, to each other, and then beyond these walls for the benefit of all beings, which circles around with ourselves because we are part of all beings. So thank you, and may your anger be worked with skillfully. (laughs) 